0: Matthew chapter 16 we're starting a series called the church God's plan for God's people I want to begin in verse 13 and then we're gonna pray now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say that the Son of Man is and they said some say John the Baptist others say Elijah shall not prevail against it. Father, we pray that you will speak to our hearts uh, in this series. We pray that, God, you will reveal to us some truth, uh, living truth about the church that Jesus is building, and help us, Lord, we are a church. Help us to be all that you have called us to be together as the people of God. And we ask this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. So Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say I am? What are, what are people saying about me? And the answer was, some say John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say Elijah. Some say a prophet, Jeremiah, or some other prophet. They could have gone on. They stopped there. But they could have gone on. They could have said, well, Jesus, actually some people say you're crazy. Some people say you're a blasphemer. Some people say that you're a false prophet. Others say you're demon possessed. They could have gone on. Jesus knew all that. Jesus knew that people were saying these things about him. But then he asked the disciples the most important question, and this is the most important question for each of our hearts, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter, answering for the apostles, as he often does, he steps forward and he answers as a representative of the Apostles, we say that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus of course tells him, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. That is a revelation from God. See, you can believe information about Jesus, but to know who he is, to know him as Savior, to know the deity, the humanity, the beauty, the power, the glory, the love of Jesus. To know who he is. That is always a matter of the Father revealing him to our hearts. And so Jesus says to him, I tell you, your name is Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. And of course, if you, if you look at the Greek, the word is, your name is Petros. And on this Petra, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now contrary to Catholic doctrine, Jesus is not proclaiming Peter as the first Pope. Um, But Peter, but here is what's happening. Peter is speaking on behalf of the Apostles. This is who we say you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus says to him, you are Petros, And on this Petra, I will build my church. And we see in scripture that the church is built on the testimony and teaching of the apostles. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 22. Paul writes this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Verse 20, built Is that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the chief's cornerstone of the building that that God is building. Jesus is building, actually. The apostles are the foundation of that church. And Jesus is building us together through the ages as his church, the house of God. So what I want to point out to us as we enter this series is the church... Is the only building project Jesus is working on. There's no other building project in the world that Jesus is working on but the church. And by the way, the church is not a building. It's a people. If we belong to Jesus, I'm gonna gonna say this clear because it is it is absolutely biblical. If we belong to Jesus, we are in the church. There is nobody who's getting into heaven on the individual plan. We all go as a group, you know, I'm not saying we believe individually, but we are then entered into the group plan, if you will, of salvation, the church. And so if we are in Jesus, we're in the church. If we belong to Jesus, we belong to the church. If we are out of the church, if we are not the church, we are not in Jesus. There's just no other plan. It's the only building project Jesus is working on. So one of the things that I want to help even my heart, to deal with is, I don't know about you, but with all the black eyes the church has taken over the last, I don't know how many decades, and really it's actually not that new, I mean the history is full of black eyes for the church, and all the the things, so many things that we bring upon ourselves, but there's also a hostility to the church, Um, In this day and age. I think we've passed the post-christian era and we're entering into a Anti-christian era where there's a lot of hostility against the church and some of it is earned some of it is deserved There's a lot of black eyes and sins and problems and issues and we should not take that lightly We should deal with that and we should pray God refine the church and all that so this isn't to diminish all that but We should also recognize that for all of that God is working on his church. Jesus didn't say I'm going to build my church to a certain point and then I'm going to abandon it and leave it. He is still working and building his church. And the problems and the sin and the mess, first of all, does not characterize the entirety by a long shot. We just hear about that. But the fact is there are beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ being raised up in the Lord all around the world. And the church is beautiful in Jesus' eyes. Even with the sin and the mess. The Corinthians was more messed up than most churches will ever hear about. But Paul didn't write them off. He wrote to them. And he wrote to them with love, with encouragement, with biblical correction, with grace, and with sound doctrine to correct them. So, yeah, the church can be messed up. But that's the point. Jesus came to... Save imperfect, messy sinners. Can you, I can count myself among that group. How about you? That's the point. In fact, and Jesus doesn't say, this is my mess. He says, these are my trophies of grace. So you are a trophy. Jesus can't wait in heaven to put you up in his trophy collection of grace. And when people look at us, they're not gonna say, man, that, that person, hey, what a great person Jim was, or what an amazing woman Sally was. Can't blame God for saving him. He's gonna say, they're here, they're here. What a trophy of grace they are. And amen to that. Jesus died for his church. That's how much he loves his church. The church is Jesus' body. His bride, his people, his temple, his treasured possession. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he bought the church, founded the church, is the builder and the cornerstone of the church, and he's coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. So over the next few weeks, what I hope is to kind of raise our vision with scripture to see what God's purpose and intention for the church to be. Because it is truly beautiful and we you and I if we're trusting in Jesus we're a part of that beautiful work called the church the reason I've titled this message the church challenge is because I hope we will be challenged in some areas particularly in the beginning um, to a higher view of the church and a higher view of our role in it our place in it And and not just encouraged We love the word encouraged I go to church to be encouraged. I want to be encouraged. I want to be comforted I want to be what we also want to be challenged. Amen raise your hand if you want to be challenged very few a few I hope by the end of this message you're all going to raise your hand say I want to be challenged because we need to be challenged challenge is a necessary part of church life And it's a necessary part of growth. We need challenge. So Jesus introduced this concept of challenge right away. I will build my church. Sounds like a nice peaceful building project. Just going on. Nobody's bothering. He says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's challenge. Right away, there's challenge. The church will be challenged by an enemy. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard people say, you know, the gates... Gates are, not defense, or, 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 gates are not offensive weapons, they're defensive, so we're attacking hell, we're attacking the gates of hell. That is true, but you're taking it too far if you, if you think that means the church is on the offensive and hell is always defensive. And so, um, because the Bible is very clear, hell is on the offensive. Hell is on the offensive. The devil, the enemy, is on the offensive. We will not be prevailed against, but there are offensive enemies that are looking for. He shoots fiery darts. That's offensive. We've got the shield of faith. That's defensive. He shoots fiery darts. You know, your heart is getting hit with temptation. That's him trying to destroy your life, mess up your life. That's offensive. He is called a lion who's prowling around. He's not sitting back hoping you come to him. He's prowling. He's looking for souls that are on their own, that are, that are vulnerable, that are in a place where they could be ripped apart by his teeth and his talents. He is a merciless enemy, and he is on the defensive when we are going forward, but he is on the offensive when we give him room. And many believers have felt his bite in their lives. The church is challenged by a merciless enemy. But that's not what I want to focus on this morning. Because the Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ. And I really don't think we're meant to be walking around in fear. We're to understand his schemes. We're to be walking with the full armor. But we're not to be walking around in fear of the enemy or focused on the enemy or anything like that. We are more than conquerors. But guess what you need to be more than a conqueror? challenge. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be called a conqueror because you're able to sleep until, you know, noon, get up, watch a few shows, eat some dinner, and go back to bed at night. You need challenge to be more than a conqueror. It takes challenge to grow our faith. God uses challenge to grow his people's faith. Abraham faced the challenge of the ticking clock. As he's getting older and older and older. And the promise of God becomes more and more impossible. I will never be able to do that exactly. God says, now I'll do it. I will give you a son. The challenge pressed against his faith. And strengthened his faith in God. Joseph faced the challenge of being a slave. And then was falsely imprisoned. Moses faced the challenge of an army on one side, a Red Sea on the other. David faced the challenge of a, a giant named Goliath. Challenge helps us to grow in our lives. If you want to develop better habits, if you want to get in better shape, you want to get more done in 2024, you're going to need to challenge yourself to make some changes. It's just how we Work. No one becomes a master musician by practicing 10 minutes a day. No one gets qualified for the Olympics by training a few days whenever they feel like it. You've got to be challenged to become stronger, to become smarter, to become better at anything. That's how it works in life. Now Hebrews 10.24, it tells us, it speaks to us. It says to Grace Community Church and churches all before us and all churches all around us, to challenge each other. Hebrews 10:24 says, "Let us consider how to spur or provoke or challenge one another to love and good works." Let us consider how we might challenge each other. Now, One simple truth we see from that first of all is we need to be in a church in order to do that. You you cannot obey that on your own. Try obeying it on your own. How do you challenge others on your own? You can't. This is an impossible scripture to obey. We are told to challenge one another to love one another and do good works. Now I want to hit a pause. Pause. Because I want to be clear on this, there are, I'm talking about a specific kind of challenge, because there are people that are rather obnoxious in their challenge. Have you ever met them? Uh, In fact, I came to the church the other day, um, and there's two pages taped to our front windows on the door. And uh, they're in my office. I should have read them more carefully, but they were just the challenge if you're the real church You're not this and you're not doing that and you're gonna do this and a lot of it was about Christmas and the false God and this and that. And it's like it's one of these like I've met, you know Challenge or Christians who have like a challenge chip on their shoulder Like they're, they're just they're just kind of coming at you with well. What what version of the Bible do you read? you know, or what kind of songs do you sing? Or do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? And they're just kind of challenging it. Have you ever met anybody like that? Just challenging you right and left. It's exhausting. And that's not the kind of challenge I'm talking about. Somebody's walking around. That's usually just a a, a, a fundamental Aspect of pride that you just think you got it all right, and so you're challenging everybody about whatever they're doing I'm not talking about that okay that kind of challenge does not provoke me to love it provokes me to annoyance It really does so that's not what I'm talking about Hebrews 10 is encouraging us to challenging or to love each other enough to give gracious humble Bible-centered challenges to do what? to love God to love others more to do those works that help God's purposes, his kingdom move forward in people and serves them to challenge each other say you can do more God has more for you it's the opposite of just kind of complacency that we're spurring one other on to pray bigger prayers to believe God for greater things to To be discipled and to disciple others, to love each other sacrificially, to share our faith boldly, to grow in these areas. We need to be challenged. It's just how we work. And so the church's job, our job, our job together is to challenge one another to not stay here. Right into eternity, but to, to be here, then we challenge each other to get here, then we challenge each other to get here, and we challenge each other to grow in love and good works. to love the Lord, to love each other, to get stronger, to get better, to grow spiritually. The Bible actually has a verse in it that says, physical exercise profits us a little. So going to the gym, running at, you know, 10 miles a morning that you do, whatever it is, it profits you a little bit. It's actually good for you, but then the Bible verse goes on to say, but spiritual, spiritual health, godliness, profits both in this life, and in the life to come. So, the profit that comes from us working out our souls and spirit to grow stronger spiritually is way better for us than becoming, you know, super Sean. There are people who can lift 300 pounds in the gym. They can't lift 30 pounds spiritually. If, if we could see someone spiritually, there are people who walk around muscle bound and this and that. But if we could see them spiritually, they might have like toothpick arms. Their prayers, they can't, they can't lift a feather in prayer. Why? Why? because they're not working out. You don't get to be like the muscle bone guy in the gym by sitting around eating chocolate all day. You got to challenge your body to go further. In fact, The same thing is true spiritually. So, here's how I think it works. If all you can lift spiritually is 10 pounds, lift 10 pounds. But have people in your life who will say, hey, I think you can do 15. I'm talking spiritually. Or physically, that's how it works. I think you can lift 15. I think you can lift 15 pounds of love. I think you can lift 15 pounds of faith. I think you can add five more pounds to your prayer. Five more pounds of faith and passion and, and dedication and commitment. See, you're adding, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, well, I'm not even going to, but just add some to your prayers and you'll get stronger and your faith will get stronger and then you can add more. But we want people in our lives who are saying who are challenging us this way. Go for it. You can do it. God's got it for you. That's how I mean challenge. I believe in 2024, the Lord is calling us according to a scripture, to challenge one another to greater places of love and good works. And it's going to take all of us, church. This is a church, this is a church message. This is for all of us who are in this church, who are, this is where you, the Lord's planted you. I need you to challenge me. I mean that. I need you to challenge me. And trust me, if you come to me and challenge me, I'm not going to get all defensive. And you know, I need you to challenge me. You need the person sitting next to you to challenge you. And we need each other to challenge one another in a godly way, in a gracious way. Working together, serving together, spurring one another on. We need each other. The church is the people of God working together to build the church that Jesus is building. So what does that look like? What a fresh vision? Here's just some things. And this is is in our lives. This is in our church. This is not new. But may we grow in this, that we grow in our love for one another. That we really grow, that we strengthen our muscles in our love for one another. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another. That you love one another. That can be challenging. That can be challenging. But that's what Jesus calls us and commands us to do. Secondly, a church with a servant mindset. Jesus wrapped himself in a towel. He washed his disciples' feet. And then he said, in the same way you are to serve one another. To have a servant's mindset. And by the way, let me just thank all those that serve in so many different ways. Don't thank you enough, but thank you for serving the way that you do and the different ways you serve. Thank you for serving. Thank you. But more importantly, I hope in your heart you realize that you're part of the building that God is building. This building, this expression of his building. I hope you feel the pleasure of God as you serve Him and I don't care. I think some of the biggest ways we serve God are the behind the scenes that no one sees. And if you haven't found a place to pitch in, then I pray this is the year that you do. The church grows as each part does its work, Ephesians 4, 16. May we grow in a missionally minded church. In other words, that we understand we have a mission. We have a mission to reach people who don't know Jesus, who do not know Him, both in this country and in other countries, in our neighborhood, in our families, in our work job or wherever. But to understand that we have a mission, it's not to just survive and get to the end of life, but to see others come to know the Lord. So together, working together to share the gospel, praying for the lost, inviting friends to church, And celebrating when someone gets saved, because you know what? God sure does. When someone gets saved, the Bible says God sure celebrates that. That's that's joy to God's heart. May it be to our heart too. And that we together challenge each other to be missionally minded as a church. And finally, my last thought with this is a church that is faith-filled and theologically sound. Those two things go together well. That we have a deep faith and trust and belief that God is powerful. He's working. He's saving souls. He's transforming lives. We believe God answers prayers. We believe God will meet us where we need him to meet us. We believe all that with faith and we confess that, not in an artificial way, but we are saying, God, I know you're faithful. I'm trusting you for, for this area in my life. I'm trusting you for this area in our church. I'm trusting you to reach this unsaved person that I love so much and they don't know you. I'm trusting you, God. I'm believing. God for this. I'm asking for this, God. I'm asking for this. But then we also need theology to deepen our roots, our faith, so that it goes beyond feelings. We, we don't want to just feel good in short, like, oh, I just want to get pumped up and I want to feel good. We want our theology to go deeper. Because it's like a plant with roots. Our roots go deeper in theology. The more we understand who God is, what He's done, who we are, and what Scripture says, the more we can then understand how it all puts together. And our roots and strength in Him go beyond just, I, I felt God do something in my heart 10 years ago, and I'm living on that. That's not going to carry us through. We need a deeper theology. By the way, we're going to be offering different opportunities. For that, both in practical biblical application and theological, more theological depth. And that we're kicking off in a strange place, but I have a reason for it with the leadership class next Saturday. Just this coming Saturday, I want to encourage you, wherever your sphere of leadership is, and everyone in this room, you have some sphere of leadership. I just want to encourage you to sign up for it. It's like three and a half hours. We'll have snacks. Uh, We're going to have a lot of, I want interaction. Uh, It's, you know, questions, talking, sharing. Praying, it's, it's going to be, I think, a really, really good time. I'm looking forward to it. So please go online and sign up for that if you're at all able to make it. I pray God has challenges for us this year. I hope most of them are positive, happy challenges, but God uses hard challenges as well, and we've got to face that. And as we take on challenges... As we seek to take on challenges, even as a church and what we're here to do together, it's going to be at times awkward. It's going to be at times embarrassing. It's going to be at times challenging. I recently started swimming at the Y, swimming laps at the Y again. And swimming those laps, it reminded me that a couple years ago, uh, I wanted to get better at swimming, particularly freestyle swimming. So I started to go the Y. And I would swim laps, but I was self-conscious about my swimming, about my style. And most importantly, most, most I, I was self-conscious about every now and then I would just get the timing wrong and I'd come up sputtering and coughing water. And the lifeguards are sitting there kind of watching me like semi-drown um, in four feet of water, five feet of water. Um, and so I just felt self-conscious about that. And for some reason I shared this uh, illustration in the church. I don't even remember what the point was, but I shared this how I got self-conscious and everything. And I happened to mention offhand, so I actually haven't been going back, um, but then moved on to the point. Well, after the service, Rachel and, and uh, Mariah Wilbur came up to me and they challenged me. They said, you should keep going. You should not stop. Don't let self consciousness stop you. And so after a little while, I, that stuck with me. It stuck in my head and I started going back. And, um, and I got better at swimming freestyle. Like now, one of the things I don't have to worry about is, is sucking in water when I go to breathe, okay? I've got other things that I'm still no amazing swimmer, but I've got that down because of practicing. When you try to grow in any of these areas, let's say you want to understand the Bible better, you know? Or you want to have a deeper fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Or you want to share your faith with someone. Or you want to step into a new area of service and serve in some Mm. new area. Guess what? You're going to come up sputtering and coughing sometimes. You're going you're to just come up sucking water in the midst of it. You know, you're going to start a conversation with someone and halfway through you're going to be coughing and sputtering water and so will they. It's always fun to watch two people sputtering out water in this awkward thing where they've run out of things to say and they don't know what to say and it, everybody feels uncomfortable. And I know I've had times where you just kind of walk away from each other <laughs> and you're sweating. You know, you're coughing, you're sputtering, you know, you you go to serve and it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing, you know, and you're going to sputter and cough water as you're doing it, you know, or anything. Expect prayers to fall flat. You go to share something, in a community group, or in a group of people, and it does not come out right. Believe me, I've had plenty of those. And you sputter and cough for the rest of the community group. Or you pray a prayer, and you're like, why did I pray that, you know? And, you, you know, there's sputtering and coughing going on all over the place. It's what the church is. It's how we grow. It's how we grow. But here's the thing, don't stop reaching out to people because you had an awkward exchange. Don't stop reaching out to someone to have them over because it just was awkward. Maybe that's not the fit, but maybe someone else is. But that's how we grow. Don't give up. Don't stop reaching out. Don't stop loving. Don't stop serving. Don't stop praying. Don't stop reading. Don't stop. Keep going. Sputter, cough, get it out of your system and keep going. Try again, try again, try again. That's how we grow. So I want to close. I want to close by sharing two challenges with you. Each Sunday, my hope is to share a challenge with you. And uh, when I shared this with Jan, she was a little nervous about it. Mm -hmm. So you can call it two invitations if you want or two encouragements if you want but I want to add a little zip of challenge to it okay with grace with love and all that um, the first thing is this I want to challenge slash encourage you to take seven days I'm gonna take the next seven days seven days in January to do a Daniel fast a Daniel fast is from Daniel when they said hey we want to load you up with some meat burgers ham pork all this good food and he's like I can't eat that so I'm just going to eat vegetables and all this so the way we have kind of uh, traditionally inherited the idea of a Daniel fast is you're not giving up total food although you can if you want to but you're giving up something that has a grip on your heart something that means something to you you're fasting something it could be sweets that has a bit of a grip on your heart all right it could be uh, a meal a day. You're giving up something. It could be TV. It could be a certain. Uh, so it's all between it's between you what you feel. But it's gonna. But make it cost a little bit because here's the point. It's not. It's not to earn brownie points with God. There's power in fasting when we deny ourselves something we really enjoy or crave in order to pray and to grow in our walk with the Lord and kind of cleanse our mind and our heart from the junk that collects in there that is so trivial that we will not remember next week but we will remember time in the Word of God, time reading a book that shows us more about the Lord, time in prayer, time in fellowship with other believers, time whatever we, that, will, that can have a lasting impact. I'm still impacted by our trip to Columbia and the brothers. And we didn't watch TV once down there. And we didn't have a whole lot of sugar down there. They didn't even have good coffee down there. Well, they do have good coffee. We just didn't get it. So I'm, I'm revealing all my gods right now, my idols that I'm trying to fight. Um, anyway, I don't want to say too much. It's whatever. It's between you. But know that there's power in it. You know, so get, get excited about that. Like, I want to cleanse my heart of this, and I want to know the Lord more closely. I want to challenge you with that. The second challenge I want to come is kind of closely related, um, and that is I want to challenge you To come out to the prayer meeting Wednesday night if you are at all able to and I realize some schedules you can't do that Um, but I want to challenge you um, and I would love to see this become a part of our heartbeat that we as a church say we're gonna go where God wants us to go and do what what God wants us to do we gotta pray because prayer is the power behind the church there's no power without prayer in our lives there's none and so if your schedule allows, Wednesday night 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock will be right here. I want to just encourage you and challenge you to join us. And by the way, there's no judging. No, nobody's going to be looking around judging or anything. I want this to come from your heart. But I do want to challenge your heart to want it more than you do. Because guess how much our flesh wants to prayer? pray? You're like, you know, I just don't think prayer is my... My calling. I, I don't like to pray. Yeah, join the club. Join the club. The only thing that moves us past that is when we begin to sense and feel the Lord working powerfully in our lives and, and through us and others. Join the club. And that doesn't always come super quick, but it does come. So I just want to encourage you to come out there. Enough said about that, but listen. We've got a year ahead of us, 2024. I don't know what it holds, but let's pray with all our hearts that it holds this. The power of God to save people from their sin. To save them for eternity through the blood of Jesus Christ. To bring back prodigal sons and daughters who have walked away from the Lord. To deliver people from bondage of addictions and other things that are chaining them down. To set them free from that. To deepen our love for God and one another. We need to pray. God says I will heal the land when my people get serious. And seek my face. And pray. So I want to encourage you. I believe God is ready. I believe he's ready to do great things. In our midst as we seek him. And as the church. Grow. Together. In loving good works. Into the building, into the temple that God is building through us. I want to close with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul writes this Listen to this, let this just kind of float over your heart and mind as like a benediction. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen.